0: Well, welcome to another season of Jive Talking. Uh, As you know, we've been on kind of hiatus because we've all been out sailing. We're hoping that this year at least we can record enough podcasts that we can have them come out every week or every other week. Uh, Last year was kind of an experiment. Uh, We're coming to you from Jolly Roger Sailing Club, which is on the beautiful Ottawa River. And it's not real beautiful today. It's a little overcast. If anybody's listening, you know some we have some people out of the country, which is interesting. Uh, today, this time of year here, it's winter. Um, we get very gray weather, uh, so it's going to be cold. It'll probably although this winter's been warm. They're saying it's the lake is the warmest it's ever been at this time of year. I was just talking to one of my friends. So it's kind of an unusual winner. So today I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves. We have kind of a, uh, we haven't done anything about museums, so we're going to do something. We have a, uh, the, now what is your title? I'll let you introduce yourself.
1: Hi, so I'm Kate Fineski. I'm the new executive director at the National Museum of the Great Lakes. And then we also have. Christina Columbus. I will be helping co-host some of the podcasts moving forward. You didn't seem
0: excited about that. I'm very that.
1: excited. Okay. I was more thinking about you talking about the weather and that I just oh, saw that we God. might get some snow today.
0: All right, all right. Well, just uh, so everybody knows, Taylor Swift will not be on our podcast today. Although the Kelsey brothers and Taylor Swift would sure bump our numbers up, I'm sure. But they're not. He's not going to be here, so don't worry about it. So I know when I talked to you initially, Kate, that. You were the PR person, and then you just, is this, a, this is a new position.
1: This is a right? new position. I've been, I joined the museum in 2019. Um, I was the senior director of institutional advancement, oversaw um, all its communications and marketing initiatives as well as all of its uh, fundraising and all of our community partnership work. And you know, the museum's really grown over the last couple of years, and um, there's been a lot of changes happening, I'm really excited to take over as new leadership there.
0: I have to say, last summer was, and I've lived, well, first of all, how long has the museum been there? Let's just start there.
1: Yeah, so the museum moved to Toledo in 2014, but it's owned and operated by the Great Lakes Historical Society, which has now been around and operating um, almost 80 years now. Um, so the organization has a really deep history across the Great Lakes. Um, it actually began in the basement of the Cleveland Public Library. And in the mid-50s, it moved to Vermilion, Ohio and opened up its first museum there, Um, really looking to expand and moved here to Toledo in 2014. So I joined the museum in 2019. And as I mentioned just earlier, and it's seen a lot of growth happening. Um, Of course, we threw in a little thing called the pandemic in between all of that, which really threw in a little bit of a a wrench into some of our plans. But um, the last couple of years in particular, the museum has seen exponential growth, um, especially with the opening of the new Glass City Metro Park there.
0: I got to tell you, that park is awesome. Mm -hmm. We were down there. um, Those of you have not gone to that Glass City Metro Park, it's right, really right next to the museum, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
1: I look out my office window and there it is.
0: (laughs) And they have kind of a, I think a very unique setup where they have like, um, I I don't know how to put it, like a, a map a map on the ground of how the waterways spill into the lake.
1: Yeah, so they have something called the Mini Mommy. There you go. Which is their actually a splash pad. Um, and the whole park is really based around the water. And it's just a really cool, unique way. It's been a wonderful way for the museum to start interacting even more closely with our local population because believe it or not, over 60% of our members and our visitors are located outside of Lucas County. So and that stems from the fact that we've been around for a really long time and just more recently moved to the Toledo area but with the opening of the Glass City Metro Park we've really started to see an increase in our visitation from a uh, local standpoint in fact visitation this last summer increased 46% at the museum. Oh. How
0: many visitors a year are you estimating that you have come through your doors?
1: Yeah, we grew over 9,000 visitors this last year. We're Uh, over 30,000 visitors in the last year. Um, The year prior to that, we were at 21,000 visitors. So um, we see a good amount of folk, and we're open all year round. Um, We do have seasonal um, changes as far as our hours. So in uh, beginning November 1, which is our, uh, I don't know if I'd call it an off-season, but it's our winter season, um, we are... Are only open six days a week, so closed on Tuesdays. And then beginning May one, we open seven days a week.
0: Now, myself having lived here for the uh, my whole life, for the first time ever, for the first time ever visited the museum this last summer, and I, I was floored. I mean, at the first of all, the size of it. From the outside, it doesn't look as big as it is. Nope. And second of all, just the amount of displays and the interesting displays. And and the nice thing about it is if, you're, if you boat at all, this is like kid in a candy store. <laughs> even if you don't boat, though, this area has such a rich, rich history. Mm-hmm. I mean, tied to the port. Yeah. I mean, I think about even my dad who grew up, well, when I grew up, he was a railroader. And he used to work at the docks. And, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much. And the yeah. Fitzgerald used to dock in Toledo. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, and we have a lot about all of that context wrapped around the museum. Let me give you a little bit of an idea, or at least let me give your listeners an idea of what to expect if they came to visit the museum. So, we do have eleven thousand square feet of interior museum exhibit space that's open all year round. Um, During our summer season, which, as I mentioned before, begins May first, ends at the end of October, we have two museum vessels that are also open: a six hundred and seventeen foot lake freighter that is fully restored and explorable, the Colonel James M. Schoonmaker. Um, that launched in uh, 1911 um, and we have an audio walking tour through there so that you can really hear and learn and understand the deep-rooted history of that particular vessel. And then in 2019, just prior to my arrival to the museum, we were joined by the Museum Tug Ohio, uh, which is a tugboat that's been um, slowly, fully restored and is also fully tourable. In 2021, 2020, end of 2020, um, we brought the pilot house from the St. Mary's Challenger, and we're currently in restoration efforts of that particular uh, artifact that's on our museum grounds. um, And uh, it is from a vessel that is thought to be the longest sailing vessel in the world. 108 years, it plied the Great Lakes and its hull is actually still operating as a tug barge. Um I and one of the most incredible stories when we brought that uh, pilot house and put it on the museum grounds, it was really delayed because uh, it was sitting in Midwest terminals um, being stored for a while when the pandemic hit and it took us a while to get it moved over. Um, so we eventually, one snowy very cold day at the end of December. Um, We brought that pilot house down the Maumee River, and at the same exact time, the hull of the St. Mary's Challenger, the tug barge, was passing through Of all the places on the Great Lakes that it could have been, was passing us by at the exact same time. It was really an incredible, incredible story. But What is so exciting about this is this is leading us into expanding that museum even further. And this may be new news to you because it's something that we just put out publicly, but in the spring, early summer, we'll be breaking ground on a 5,000 square foot addition to the National Museum of the Great Lakes, which will allow us to have additional permanent exhibit space and allow the pilot house from the St. Mary's Challenger to be an interior portion, so accessed from the interior of the museum. So people can have a pilot house experience all year round, even when our Museum vessels are closed. And then we're going to have dedicated space for temporary exhibits, which means that we can bring more and more larger, bigger, higher quality exhibits to the National Museum of the Great Lakes. And then what I'm most excited about, um, I know uh, you you all have an education background as well, too. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a space dedicated to Great Lakes community education right there in our museum. So it's oh, really exciting. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. That's really awesome. I know you guys, just kind of an aside, I'm going to talk later today to somebody from Spectrum Sailing, yeah. Scott, mm-hmm. and I know Scott brought his, his people down, but uh, anyways, I, that'll be another podcast later today. There's a organization called Spectrum Sailing, and it's sailing for uh, children with autism, and it is a fun organization, and it's, it's great, but... Mm-hmm. And the
1: museum's um, really been, uh, Scott's been a wonderful person to partner with. Um, and he started to bring his autism sailing camps to the Great Lakes. And so the National Museum of the Great Lakes, our, our scope covers, it's not just a Toledo-based museum. It covers all five Great Lakes, U.S. and Canadian history and the Great Lakes. And so we've started to partner with Spectrum Sailing to uh, the sail camps that are happening on the Great Lakes. How can we be a part of that? And that's been an exciting, fun uh, partnership to explore. With that, this year for the first year, we're going to have some four mornings, I believe, four mornings a year, where we're going to have our museum open up early to people that have sensory sensory needs, Um, and so we're doing a lot of things in partnership with them, and you know that's really what we look to do is to find ways that we can partner with people across the Great Lakes to connect more people with the water, to connect more people with history, um, and to. Especially locally here. Um, You talked about Toledo having deep roots in in maritime history. Um, You know, really, it's our vision to turn the National Museum of the Great Lakes as the space where all Great Lakes conversations happen. Um, That could be recreational conversations, that could be environmental and water quality conversations, that could be um, industry conversations, that could be economic conversations. Um, I heard recently that if the Great Lakes were a country um, in this world, it would have the third largest economy. So from economic conversations to industry conversations to recreational conversations, um, these are the things that we want to bring to Toledo and to the National Museum of the Great Lakes. I always – go ahead. What Were you going to say something? I was going to say, now, if somebody was interested in the um, sensory-friendly time, do you have dates set out for that? Or where would those dates be available if that was something somebody was interested in taking their, their child or mm-hmm. going themselves because they get overwhelmed by sensory stimuli? Our first date is coming up in March or April, and people should be on the lookout in the next month over the course of January for our um, – at nmgl.org, stands for National Museum of the Great Lakes, .org, nmgl.org. If you go to our events tab, all those will be listed in there, and they can see when those openings are happening.
0: Perfect. That's awesome. That might be something you might be interested in.
1: Yeah, might be.
0: Now, I imagine you'll probably have, uh, well, do you have field trips come in from like, uh, let's say, um, Some of you, I've told before, I work for Toledo Public Schools, but Mm -hmm. do you have field trips come in from the public schools? Absolutely.
1: We have field trips from all over come in. Um, I actually um, serve on the Maritime Academy of Toledo School Board as well too. So um, we've been working in partnership with that uh, school and and others to really start to connect people to our mission, which is to preserve and make known the history of the Great Lakes. Um, We also work with some industry partners, um, uh, maybe – uh, Interlake Steamship is one of them that comes in and, and will do some of the training. We have a, a vessel that folks can walk through and really kind really? of understand, you know. So it's a um, we work in partnership with the Coast Guard um, and other entities, and um, they've conducted training on our vessels. So yeah, there's a lot of field trip opportunities, group travel opportunities, partnership opportunities. We do all of that. Now, do you have a favorite display at the museum? So, I know you talked a little bit about the Fitzgerald, and um, there is, I would say there's two favorite spaces of mine. Um, one is our interior space revolved around the shipwrecks, um, where we do have a life uh, uh, um, a life boat from the Fitzgerald. Um, it's oars, and this... Wonderful, interactive uh, exhibit that my boys in particular, my older boys like, because it's a little bit game-like, where you get to explore the exterior of the Fitzgerald to learn the theories based on its sinking back in 1975. Um, It's really interactive and a great educational tool that um, pulls a lot of people in. And I would say that's one of my favorite interior exhibits, although... With that, and since you just visited her this summer, I hope that you got to see the wonderful video in the main theater gallery that there is there, too. Um, we actually just had that video projector replaced, and it's incredible. The video was incredible before, and now it just seems that much more vivid. Um, I just watched it for the first time the other day, actually. Um, but my other favorite space at the museum is actually the engine room inside the Colonel James M. Schoonmaker Museum vessel. Um, I didn't go into the vessel. Yeah, so if you get a chance, come oh, back. The vessels are incredible, and our museum ship is just um, the the restoration efforts that they have done there have. I mean, second to none. It's unbelievable. So one of my favorite spaces really is that engine room, and I will tell you, I'm not even looking at the historical spaces in the context. You ever want to see the best view of downtown Toledo? It's on top of our vessel down there. Um, we just have a magnificent view, whichever direction that you're looking at. In fact, members are invited to spend the 4th of July and watch the downtown fireworks on top, on board our vessels. No way. And it's a really cool opportunity. So if you want to become
0: a member, mm-hmm. what would that entail? Let's just talk about that, since that's awesome. And Yeah. How much does it cost? What kind of level do you have to do to be able to do that?
1: There, Any member— any member. So we have from an individual member to um, family members to Inland Seas members where they receive the journal. Uh, membership starts at, I want to say, $32. Really? Um, wow. And That's a cheap. family membership is 60 maybe or so. And that you get free admission to the museum all year round. There's special events for members of which that um, – Uh, fireworks viewing is one of them, and that's free to the members. We also open up the museum vessels a day early, so right before they open to the public to members to have a pancake breakfast, just like the sailors would have on the vessels. So we do a lot of cool things for our members. Um, Just on that same note, um, I always like to talk a little bit about how the museum functions because people don't always realize that. We actually have 2,700-ish members at any given time, um, of which a majority of those members are based outside of Lucas County. Um, which is incredible um, our revenue is generated in three different ways through our memberships through our point of sales, which means our visitors, our programs, our museum store, and then through donations. And it's essentially a third, a third, a third, um, maybe a little bit higher in donations. But what that has been, I I like to point this out, we are not a a federally or state or locally funded organization. Um, So there is a cost associated with, you know, entering the museum, but it all goes back to supporting our mission, which is to preserve and make known the history of the Great Lakes. Now, I think I saw on your site that you guys uh, conduct underwater archaeology.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, as a, as a diver, certified diver, I thought that uh, sounds kind of interesting. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so we have one of our senior staff members, Carrie Soden, who's been with the museum now for almost 20 years going, you know, I think 18, 19, 20 years, somewhere around there. Um, she is just an incredible resource for us. Um, she helps um, coordinate uh, and work with MAST, which is Zone 501C3 that does training. Um, they work with our divers um, to train on uh, how to measure and and calculate um, and uh just research some of the shipwreck vessels that are found specifically in the Lake Erie area. Um, And Carrie has, I mean, just a magnificent, she's a magnificent resource for us. If you ever go into the shipwreck area of the museum, um, there are artifacts that she's been, um, you know, so close to. Um, uh, One of the bells that we brought in, she actually was the one that received permission because it is illegal, to take an artifact from a sunken ship in the water now. Um, so you have to get permission. This was a bell that could have been uh, eventually just uh, gone in the water from what it was made of. And she was able to take it out um, and really stabilize it and bring it to our museum and tell that story. Um, she has a chemistry background, um, and it's just incredible. So.
0: I think a lot of people don't realize the number of um, intact wrecks or, mm-hmm. or I should not say maybe intact but quality wrecks that are in the Great Lakes because a there's no salt water mm-hmm. and b it's cold water yeah. yep and if you go up around I know a lot of they have a lot of wrecks up around Peely Point Peely I know they, they've been a number of wrecks over the years and uh uh I was but I don't think people realize that actually um uh, the Great Lakes are actually rather treacherous to fly as a sailor mm-hmm as a, as a merchant. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, back, I was doing some reading historically, I know, like, I just was reading this book about the, uh, uh what they called it, White Hurricane, mm-hmm. was about the lar- the largest...
1: 1912, I think, yeah, around there. Yeah, good memory. Um, we have an exhibit on it. You do? I, didn't, I guess I didn't do. see it's that. do. It's back by the shipwreck area. Um, and it was one of the most treacherous nights on the Great Lakes. Um, hundreds of vessels were impacted and s- either left stranded or sunken or um, had issues connected to that one single storm that was... I don't, I mean, just a 12-hour period of time across all five Great Lakes. And that was the thing, and and I read about it, and and
0: I never thought about it, but a lot of it had to do with the way weather was reported back then. They said they had spotters, and I guess this particular storm, they said, started like in northwest Lake Superior, and they didn't have a spotter there, so they kind of got, and as you guys, if you know any of the song about Gordon Lightfoot, you know, the gales of November, this happened in November Mm -hmm. and uh, Lake Erie in in Cleveland the day before was in the mid Mm fifties. And the the next day it's like 22 inches of snow or something like that. And it was, it was a terrible disaster, but people don't realize that storms in this area can come up super quick. In fact, when I went out to California to rent a sailboat, I didn't know if they'd rent me one. And some of my friends here at Jolly Rogers said, just tell them you sail in Lake Erie. And then if they're on the bubble, they'll say, okay. And I thought they were kidding. Mm -hmm. So I was walking down the dock and somebody said, so where do you sail? And I said, Lake Erie. They go, oh, I mean, because like if you come from Putin bay and those of you who aren't from this area, that's a very popular destination. Some people will call it the key west of, of the Great Lakes. And, you know, people go there to party, hang out, whatever, but. A sail for me from from um, putting bay to where I dock is six hours, and you might get sunny and everything's great. And then by the time you get over by your dock, you could have northeast winds and you know waves of five feet, six feet. And the problem with lakes eerie waves is the their the peak to peak is so short that your, your your boat's taking a pounding. It's not like when you're on the ocean and you have a big swell. And it's different. It's just different kind of boating, and and they worried back. I know in the early parts about the boats break, breaking in half,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, some of the, the 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 stories that I have heard, the history that we recap related to shipwrecks on the Great Lakes is just magnificent. Um, You know, everybody knows of the sinking of the Titanic, um, but there are some even more treacherous, um, both passenger vessels, um, you know, industry-related vessels, uh, In you know, a lot of things that have happened on the Great Lakes over the course of hundreds of years um, that the museum does a great job of documenting. We actually work um, in... Uh, connection with BGSU. Um, They hold all of our archives um, there. Uh, We have a, a vast collection of archival resources connected to both shipwreck history and beyond Um, There's just so much that can be said and shared, and our Inland Seas Journal, which is another um, part, you can be a member as part of the Inland Seas Journal, back in, um, you know, the early days, that's how we began. The National Museum of the Great Lakes, as I mentioned, is owned and operated by the Great Lakes Historical Society, and they began first by publishing a journal, a quarterly journal that has been published every year since then for close to 80 years now, um, that talks about Great Lakes history. If people are interested in learning more about these stories, and Many of them are shipwrecks. If you visit nmgl.org, we have a section under our uh, virtual um, uh, tab that you can see um, a backlog of, I don't know, I think we're close to 100 online articles and blogs connected to our Inland Seas Journal from um, past journal submissions over decades. So, yeah. There's
0: just people just don't realize the amount of history. And and then I guess if you're around here, you kind of maybe, you know, a little bit about it. But, you know, if you if you don't live around here, you just don't know about the amount of freight that just comes to our port. Yeah. Toledo. Toledo. I mean, we get ships from Canada or from Russia, China, mm-hmm. you know, all over the world. They come, come to Toledo.
1: Yeah. Toledo is, is deep-rooted history um, with commerce on the Great Lakes, um, recreation on the Great Lakes. And um, hopefully the National Museum of the Great Lakes, I think there's a lot of Toledoans that don't even understand that we live on the Great Lakes, and we're starting to change that now with what's happening um, Uh, In downtown Toledo and along the Great Lakes, Um, and so, you know, I think it was really brought front and center again to people's eyes back in 2014. That's not just the year that the museum um, opened up their doors, but it's also the year that we had the water quality scare. And so, I think Toledo is really starting to get a little bit more connected to its 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 history with the Great Lakes, taking a little bit bigger understanding of what they mean to us um, and what they bring to this world. Um, We're a very, very large uh, resource for fresh water and um, the National Museum of the Great Lakes is really excited to be a part of all of those conversations.
0: Are you guys involved at all with uh, the water, water? I can't even talk today. Water quality issues related to the algae bloom? I mean, do you guys get involved in that?
1: We definitely um, get involved from a programmatic standpoint right now. Um, so we typically have a lecture series in the fall and the spring where we'll host all sorts of different topics that maybe is not, uh, they supplement. Uh, what we're doing and maybe it might not be a part of our permanent exhibit and environmental issues water quality issues have been a part of that and we'll continue to kind of grow Um, we also do something in the winter months Um, you know as a sailing club and organization there's less happening on the water but we do a book club a Great Lakes book club and so we'll typically have a one of the environmentally focused um, books I can't remember what this year's is um, but again um, if you visit our website those will be up shortly we do a book bundle I know that last year we did the Dan Egan's The Life and Death of the Great Lakes, or The Death and Life of the Great Lakes, um, which was a tremendous history and environmental water quality, just in general tale. Um, so we do a lot of that supplemental programming that is wrapped around that. Because remember, what's happening today is tomorrow's history, right? So, um, Yeah. Now, the, the
0: exhibits that you have at the museum, do they get rotated? Are they pretty much just what you got there is permanent, or how does that work?
1: We have our permanent collection right now, which on occasion we will add to. Um, we do micro exhibits. Um, we started those up uh, in the last couple of years because we've ran out of space at the museum, and that's one of the reasons why we're expanding. Uh, And so uh, we will be adding to our permanent exhibit. Our new space is supposed to be opening in probably April, May, June of 2025. Um, Yep, so within the next year we will have that new space open. Um, We'll also be introducing more temporary exhibits. So We've always had one large temporary exhibit a year, but it's in our community room right now that serves as our everything room. It's where we have our board meetings, it's where we have our other meetings, it's where we have field trips into for lunches if there's inclement weather. Um, So we're very limited in space. And so that's caused us to not have as much variation, but as soon as this new addition is built on, we're gonna have a lot more variation, bring a lot more um, things to the museum, um, the micro exhibits are really fun. We get to focus on something really small um, and bring it to life um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a fun and interesting way. And usually those hang around our exhibit space um, within the permanent exhibit for maybe about six weeks or so. We've also started to do exhibits around and about in the community and across the Great Lakes. Um, we have a couple of those exhibits that are up right now as well. Um, an exhibit that we are just about to take down that's been at the library. I bet you didn't know that uh, submarine were built on the Great Lakes. So we have a submarine um, exhibit, Submarines in the Great Lakes, that was open at the main public library in downtown Toledo. Uh, We have an exhibit that's right now out at the Toledo um, Express Airport, um, called the Port of Toledo Then and Now, and it highlights a couple of the different things that have happened over the course of the years uh, along the port. And that same exhibit is showcased actually still virtually online. We did a virtual exhibit, the Port of Toledo Then and Now, um, that's a photography and um, memory-based exhibit. Uh, that is still accessible on our website and we have an exhibit that runs in the summer months on the sandpiper Uh, so people it's a map that uses qr codes that people can be sailing and touring along the lamami river and take a look using their phone to see what that space used to look like you know 10 years ago 50 years ago 100 years ago so that's really interesting.
0: so let's say we wanted to, to visit the museum what's a daily like somebody says i just want to check it out and how much does
1: it cost for the day to go in? There? If you're just going to see the interior museum exhibit space, um, that is, um, I believe, $11 right now. Children five and under do get in free. I, uh, and this is time sensitive, but I'll say that over the course of a year, we do manage, especially for people locally, um, it's a little bit more accessible, but we have a couple free days that we usually um, open up the museum for free. One of them um, is coming up, as you mentioned, it's it's winter here now in the Toledo area. So we open up um, uh, over Martin Luther King holiday weekend for free on that Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, and that's the opening of the interior exhibit. Now, when the museum vessels are open, if you want to see both the vessels and the interior of the museum, that um, is at $17. So, and again, membership's fairly affordable. Um, so buying a membership allows you access as much as possible to that museum. Um, um, multiple times a year, as as many times as you like. And it also gives a, other advantages. Um, if you buy the Inland Seas-based membership, you used to get that journal quarterly in the mail too. I
0: like the fireworks. That's when I yeah. when you say fireworks, yes. I would say, <laughs> I'm,
1: in, I'm in for that.
0: Now, do you rent out your space? Like if somebody wants to come in, do you ever have people have weddings or parties or
1: in there? So we do have rental space. It's our community room right now, which is in high demand and it's our only extra space. Um, once our new addition is built on, we'll have even more space to be able to do that. Um, We do rent out the museum space after hours. Our museum is open from 10 until 5, six days a week and on Sundays from noon until 5. Um, So we often have uh, spaces. For instance, we hold the Toledo Regional Chamber of Commerce legislative breakfast at the museum, or we have for the last couple of years um, in the springtime. Um, So we do a lot of different things. We've had a wedding or two, usually small. Um, that have been uh, connected to the museum. But, you know, first and foremost, we're not necessarily a rental space. And because we've had space issues, that can become a little bit of a challenge. But we're really looking forward to this addition.
0: What if somebody says, you know, I have an artifact, the museum would be... maybe interested and I want to donate, what would they do? How would they contact?
1: Contact us through our website. We have a donation link right up top. Um, They'll be put in touch with our collections coordinator that will take a look into that and let them know whether or not it might be something that would be viable for our collection.
0: How about if they want to donate money? Of course,
1: same way. Just head to our museum, call the museum, swing by the museum. We have a donation page online. You can make it over the phone. Um, And we love to connect people with what we're doing. We appreciate all those funds that we receive, um, and they really go a long way into helping us continue to expand and, and further our mission.
0: I mean, it takes money. It always does. It does. It does. Yeah. Well, you have a beautiful space down there at the museum. If anybody has any interest in shipping in the great lakes uh, it's worth stopping by to see it is beautiful um it's a gem i think in toledo a lot of people don't know about mm-hmm. because once you go there i like i said i i went with my son-in-law who's who is a sailor actually he's in the navy and and he was just amazed and and we just uh walked around and it was like we want to go back because there's even though you think It's only, you know, it's not that big, but it's still, you need to go back more than one because you want to read everything.
1: Yeah. Oh, it is literally from top to bottom of every single wall is covered in, and it's meant for anybody. Any, any learning style, any age, um, if you're a reader, if you're a visual person, if you like to do things, all of those things provide opportunity to connect with history um, related to the Great Lakes. And, you know, it's just really an incredible space. We're, we're growing that space. Um, and I invite everybody to come down. Um, we, we love – when that's the – you are expressing exactly what we hear from almost every single one of our guests. Wow, this is way more than I ever anticipated, um, and I hate being the best-kept secret in Toledo. We're going to start to change that, um, and, you know, it takes a while um, being the, the new cultural entity in town, um, but there's a lot of excitement happening, especially in the East Banks of the Maumee River, and so we are Incredible excited to be a part stuff. of that.
0: Yeah. The nice thing, too, is it, it actually for kids, too, because, like you said, there's some, if you can't read, you can look at the boat in there. You can look at the ship's bell in there. You can look at... There's There's nothing that
1: they can't touch, too. And so I like to tell people, like, this is not a thing where, oh, my God, you can't touch that. You know, the buzzer's going to go off or whatever. It's not like
0: museum of art, like the dosing comes up if you get within 50 feet or if you, you know.
1: It's it's a different type of museum than that. And it's meant to be really explored by anybody. In fact, we're starting to do a lot more kid-friendly things over the summer. We have our Captain Scupper's Kids camp uh, program. Um, they're not week-long type things. They're day activities meant and targeted at different ages. We have a, a tug a tug life, a crew life, um, a Captain Scupper song fest, which is for zero to age five with parents. Um, really just anything. We love to connect all ages with maritime history. That is awesome. That is awesome. That sounds really cool. Well, I heard you mentioned something
0: about Great Lakes Fest. Why don't you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, in the summer we have something called Great Lakes Fest, and it's something that we've been doing for a while now, but we re, just reconnected um, with the Toledo Antique and Classic Boat Show, and so we host a, a boat show um, and a full day of Great Lakes fun, um, and we have antique boats that you can explore, activities. It's a full family event, um, really a great opportunity to come down to the museum Um, You can come by boat. You can come by car. um, Whatever you'd like and come and visit us. It's a wonderful day to visit the museum.
0: Yeah, we have a pretty cool downtown with just being able to bring your boat down to eat, being able to come down to sea. I mean, it's just... Mm If people haven't been here before, you come up the Maumee River and, and it's just it's just amazing. You go eat at the docks, you can we have one of the largest what outdoor murals now down there. Yeah, it's
1: um, really cool. The Glass City River Wall. So Toledo, the downtown Toledo is actually anchored by um maritime history with the largest mural ever. Um, on the ADM grain silos, and then the National Museum of the Great Lakes, and everything in between. Um, and there are uh, some places connected to the museum that sailboats and boaters can come in and dock their boat. Um, they have uh, seasonal but also daily rates, and I believe those are um, rented out through the Metro Parks right now. So you just call the Metro Parks main number. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about that. Trey, did you know about that? Did you put a little marina dock
0: down there? i would never gone in yeah. there.
1: Yeah. Well, we have sailboats. We have to do with the bridges.
0: Yeah. Yes, so, the yeah.
1: bridges are not our, the sailboat's friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my 28-foot boat has a pretty tall mass. I don't want yeah. to have to take it down Yeah. go dock. But yeah. It's a pretty neat spot. We took the bass boat down there. Did you? Yeah. It's kind of cool to go up. And my wife and I have been to the museum. We love the museum. Yeah, cool. Good.
0: Well, thank you for coming in today, Kate. Um, I'm pretty excited about going to the free day over Martin Luther King. I know I'll be over there myself, uh, and I would like to go through the museum again. So thanks for coming in, and uh, we look forward to coming to the museum this summer.
1: Thanks for having me. Great to meet you both.
0: Nice to meet you. That was
1: awesome. That was some
0: cool stuff.